when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got up the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, <laughs> like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. And as my, as the head football coach at South Carolina, my job is to do what I feel is best for the University of South Carolina football program today and going forward in the future. And that's what I did. We wish him well and uh, have nothing but uh, 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 we, we wish him well. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo for this show, but I got a lot to talk about here in the SEC. Cousin Shane's got the day off. Hopefully we'll get him back on the next one. But like I said, hey, we got a lot happen here in the SEC. Kind of had some interesting uh, thoughts on, you know, what's transpired since the last time I recorded a show. So we'll get to that in just a second. But, man, potentially the biggest story since I last recorded, not even SEC related. But our buddies down there in the Pac-12 going hobo crazy. I heard things in Los Angeles have gotten bad. I had no idea it was this bad. Have you seen this story? A homeless man apparently led into the facility by USC unwittingly, issued him a uniform, had him on the practice field fielding punts. True story. According to uh, Scott Wolf of Inside USC, this really happened and has also been confirmed by uh, Fox Sports analyst Petros Papadakis, who used to be a USC Trojan, so you got to assume, you know, he's pretty plugged into that program. But, hey, according to uh, Scott Wolf's reporting, unidentified men allowed in <laughs> to the facility, allowed access to the jacuzzi along with other players, allowed meals in the dining hall, Apparently had access to a suite in the L.A. Coliseum to sleep. And they even issued him a uniform. And how'd they catch this guy? Well, they gave him number 87. He's 5'10". And apparently at some point they said, Well, hell, number 87 6'4". <laughs> so if this man had been 6'4", he's probably on the roster. He's probably going in to be a USC Trojan for the 2021 season. But... My God, how about that? I mean, that is just incredible. And for once, this is the very first time I'm envious of any of these people that get to cover the Pac-12 because that's a hell of a story. That would never happen in the SEC. But hey, let's steer back to uh, the nation's best conference, the conference that's not a joke, to the SEC. Before we go around the league, just a little bit of uh, optimism here. We always like to be as optimistic as possible on this show. And according to the incoming Texas A&M president, Catherine Banks, recently spoke with the Texas Tribune. She had a great comment on the upcoming season. Here's a direct quote. Now she's saying none of these declarations, obviously, they're just hopeful. I think we've all seen the videos by now. Texas Rangers opened up their stadium completely full That was great to see. That's what we're wanting to see here in the SEC when the fall comes around. This is the quote in the Texas Tribune from Texas A&M's incoming president. We're hopeful we have a full football stadium. We don't have to walk around with the mask. We're hopeful we don't have social distancing. If we have an emergency situation, we'll adjust. But right now, and perhaps this is the Aggie optimism, We are planning for a fully operational campus in normal mode 
And of course, she's referring to the fall. So, hey, that's great news. That's what you want to hear. Hopefully, everything keeps going in the right direction. We get back to business. Because I think Shane has hit on this point, and I agree 100% with him. Last season with the All-SEC was just fantastic. You know, I thought it was going to be the best season ever, but it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same without the fans, without the tailgating. And I know that still took place in a you know smaller part, but I'm looking forward to being wide open and us just getting everything, uh, you know, the sport we'd love. No, you're listening to this damn show, SEC Podcast in April. You love SEC football. Let's get it back to the way it was, the way we're used to doing it. And I think uh, after a year of not having it, it's going to make us appreciate it that much more in 2021, I really do think, will be the best season we've ever had of SEC football. But all right, let's kick it around the league. We had a lot of scrimmages, a lot of practices, a lot of news items. So let's go around the league. Now let's go around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, I want to start here in Tuscaloosa. Roll time! Nick Saban met with the media here over the weekend and... You know, before I kick over to his comments, if you've been paying attention to the show, been playing quite a bit from uh, Coach Saban during the springtime, and it's one thing that I keep hearing over and over. You can, you know, at one point he's saying the receivers are not matching up to the guys they've had. Now he's saying the offensive line are kind of swimming. And now the latest out of Tuscaloosa is, well, my God, we got us an elite defense here. And they may, they may have all that, and that may explain why maybe these receivers aren't stacking up. Maybe that's why the offensive line looks like they're swimming a little bit. And I should, before I get any hate here, I'm not saying that, you know, Alabama's crumbling at the seams. I mean, they're going to have as much, if not more talent than anybody in the country. So it's not, this is not a a segment to poor Alabama. How are they ever going to do it? But I really think, and I'm not making this prediction right now, but If Alabama does not win the West next season, it's because of these issues Coach Saban is bringing up now. The offensive line, the receiving core. Get to his comments here. He he hypes up Bryce Young a little bit here. Interesting comment on him as well. But if Alabama's strength is the defense, and it sounds like that's where things are headed, and they've got these elite pass rushers, they're going to keep them in a lot of games. But last time I checked, I mean, this – We've been saying it constantly. Hell, the team that we thought was going to have the best D last season was Georgia. They didn't get it done because they didn't have the offense. Alabama had the offense last year, won the national championship. LSU had the offense, won the national championship. Clemson, what that's been one of their strong points. The game is about quarterbacks and receivers, giving those quarterbacks time to find those receivers. Alabama's become a receiver factory for the NFL. It doesn't sound like they've quite got that up the level in this camp at least, but still plenty of time. They're just putting they're gonna put a ton of linemen in the NFL. So and you'll hear it again. Here, let's kick it over to Coach Saban. He's kind of harping on the offensive plays and kind of uh, he's he continues to harp on the offense. So let's kick it over to him real quick. So we got three guys uh that aren't playing. Um so it, it really is kind of hard to eval, you know, some of the offensive line, but we did run the ball more effectively today. Um, and uh, I think we made some explosive plays, but we also had too many negative plays uh, offensively. Uh, I think Bryce played well again. Um, I think Jalen Milrow uh, played, you know, showed a lot of improvement from a week ago. 
Um, so, you know, we're just going to have to figure out what we can do with this team. Um, some of the receivers did a little better job this week. So we just keep on, you know, working with these guys and seeing if we can get more guys to play winning football. Uh, I think the first defense was pretty good. The second defense made a lot of mental errors and, you know, gave up plays. I don't think the tackling was as good this week uh, as it was a week ago. So uh, we got a lot to work on. And uh, how do we how do we really manage this next week? You know, we got two practices in the spring game. We really got to use these both practices as an opportunity to continue to improve and, um, you know, get more ready for the season. All right. So how often do you hear Saban? Now they're down linemen, but how how often do you hear Saban making excuses? Well, I guess after Ole Miss was the last time I remember, remember that he was, oh, they, they were stealing our signals, which was not true. But, hey, that was the excuse then. Now we've got a minor excuse here. You know, we're down guys. Maybe they get those guys back and they're and it's just full steam ahead, but you gotta remember what they had on the offensive line last year. Everybody and anybody that studies this stuff, they gave them the Joe Moore Award. You're seeing these linemen pop up on uh, NFL draft boards and all this. So it was an elite of an elite offensive line. And they've got the bodies to be that down the line, but are they gonna be it immediately in the fall it with a new offense? new quarterback, new offensive line coach, new pieces all over. I don't know. I don't know. Even even mighty Alabama, I don't know if they can do that that quickly. Last season was about continuity. That's That was a big part of their success. Now it doesn't sound like they have it on that offensive line in particular. But, hey, it's not all doom and gloom here. I'm sure Alabama fans already turned this damn thing off thinking I hate him here. Nick Saban was asked about Bryce Young, and I really uh, – you know, pay attention to what Coach Saban has to say here. I think he's uh, clued us into something. Yeah, just wonder what have you seen from uh, from Bryce this this spring in terms of taking command of the offense, taking command of the team, and mastering the playbook. Yeah, he's done great. He's you know he knows the playbook really really well. Uh, I told him one of the things that he has to work on is you know having presence on the field, being the man so to speak, uh, taking charge, being in command, and I think that he's done better and better at that. I think he realizes what he needs to do to try to help the players around him to play better. Uh, and I think he's done it very well. All right. So if you caught it there, I mean, that should end any and all doubt if this uh, Paul Tyson is going to be the starting quarterback. But look around the SEC. We play these clips when these coaches talk about the quarterbacks that are in a quote-unquote competition. How many of them are saying, like he is here with Bryce Young, you know, I'm looking for him to that leadership, looking for him to take that next step up in intangibles. You don't say that about a guy that's entrenched in a competition. You say that about a guy that's basically already won it, and now they're looking for him to be very good to elite right away going into his first season on a starting quarterback. You're not going to hear Jimbo say this about Hayes King because Hayes King still got to win the job. You're not going to hear Josh Heupel talk about this with any of his quarterbacks because they have got to win the job. It sounds to me like Bryce Young's already been anointed the next starting quarterback for Alabama. All right, we'll stay in the state. Let's hop on down to Auburn. Ready, Toomer's corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48. Well, the Tigers were scheduled to have an open practice over the weekend, but uh, weather forced them inside. They had to go into the indoor complex, which changed things up a little bit there. But, you know, Brian Harson just wrapped up his press conference here, and I'm starting to more and more like what we're seeing from this guy. Kind of like Clark Lee, very measured, very thorough. Doesn't give you a lot in these press conferences, to be honest with you. He doesn't like to name the players specifically. He'll shout out a position group or, you know, the entire side of the ball, offense, defense. He he did kind of hit on the offensive line here. I didn't think any of those comments were really worth playing here, but too many times this offseason we've kind of referenced the new staff at Auburn, and we really got to sit back and realize how much talent they have to work with. Uh, we all know the issues with lack of continuity on the offensive line. Bo Nix, I think, gets uh, – treated a little bit unfairly hell any if you're if your quarterback coach was chad morris last year i give you a complete pass and if gus malzahn was your coach the last two years again i give you a pass so this offseason is about getting bo nicks fixed and south carolina fans don't want to admit this but 
I think a combination of Mike Bobo and Tennessee fans don't want to hear this, Will Fred, they together, working together, have a strong track record of getting this thing right. And I'm not saying Auburn's going to be out here and be awesome on the offensive line, but don't forget, they got Tank Bigsby, who we can't say he's the best running back in the SEC. I don't think that's fair just because he's missed so many games, but and he's only played one season. But when he's at 100%, he may be the best running back in the SEC. If he goes through the entire season, doesn't miss any action, I bet you he leads the SEC in rushing. With all due respect to South Carolina's Kevin Harris, I honestly never heard of him until last season. And what did he do in Mike Bobo's system with very, very average quarterback and receive play outside of Shai Smith? He led the SEC in rushing during the regular season. I know South Carolina, the offensive line, you know, that was a question mark. Now it's kind of a strength of uh, that offense, but seeing a lot of similarities here. And don't forget, man, it's not all going to be Bobo here calling the shots because I know plenty of fans don't like what they see from Bobo. They're going to get a wrinkle of Brian Harson. He's a former quarterback. It's not like he was at Boise and didn't do nothing. He was one of the best coaches at the G5 level. And I really think, you know, us in the SEC, and I'm probably guilty of it myself, we don't buy into these guys fully until they do it in the SEC. You know who else did well in the SEC with no experience? Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, two of the best coaches, college coaches of all time. I'm not saying Brian Harson's the next... Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, but maybe we put a little too much stock into having SEC experience and, and or not, and he certainly got SEC experience on his staff. So I think with the combination of Bobo, with the combination of Brian Harson, who's gotten quarterbacks to the NFL that are still there, this I think Bo Nix is going to have his best season here at Auburn, and that's something uh, Brian Harson kind of you know, he didn't give us much info. <laughs> 45 minutes here. Two clips here. I thought we're really going to play the first one. Bo Nix on, you know, learning to, to limit mistakes. And sometimes throwing the ball away is the best thing a quarterback can do, whether the fans appreciate it at the time or not. I thought this was a really insightful comments here from Brian Harson. Brian, how do you think Bo's come along learning the offense and picking it up through these first three weeks of practice? Bo's smart. Bo picks it up. Yeah, that's not – I think Bo, Grant, all those quarterbacks, they picked it up. I think there's um, – now, as you pick it up, you pick up the base, the DNA of it, right, just the, the foundation of it. Now you're getting into the details of it. Now you're getting into uh, what adjustments can you make. So you introduce it, and you don't introduce every single little little adjustment that's, that's a possibility. Now it's a little adjustment off of this, a little adjustment off of that, a little check off of here, a little uh, what's the defense doing. And so you're able to do – things in this system uh, once you understand what the base is. But you got to be good at the base. And, and I think sometimes we just, we all want to know, like, like what are all the, the options that I have? Let's start and let's be really good at the base. So you gotta, you got to force yourself to just, hey, this is what we're doing here. We're going to keep doing it until we get better at it. Then once we understand it, this is a disadvantage. Let's make it an advantage by doing this. So you know what, what you're changing, you know why you're changing it. I think those guys are getting to knowing the why at this point. We know what we're supposed to do, how to execute it. The fundamentals are there. Now, why would we do this rather than just coming out and doing it? Because sometimes I think quarterbacks, they all want to show you what they know. And so the first time you give them an option, they do it. And it's, it's probably not even the right time to do it. They just do it. They just do it to show you that, hey, I know, I know there's an option. Let me show you that I can do it. And it's not even the right time. So you got to – you got to make sure that you do it at the right time and you teach it properly. But Bo's picked it up. Bo is um, always at that position to me. The quarterback position is about decision-making. It is about decision-making. I think the best players that you see play that position uh, at the next level in college, in high school, the reason why they're, they're good players is they make great decisions. Quarterback's about making decisions. you got to be accurate. You do have to have the physical uh, traits to go out there and play that position. Um, and Bo's got those things. But to me, every quarterback I've coached, the guys that, that uh, I've had a chance to 
to get out there and be a part of their development, they made great decisions. And so that, that position, you got to make decisions. You got to make sure that, all right, when we go out there, all right, hey, we want every drive to end in a kick. We want drives. You know, we want to keep the ball in our hand. We want to move the ball. We want to make good plays. We've got to make great decisions. And so that's really where the, the quarterback position's at now is, is you're starting to fine tune a lot of the little things we can do offensively. You, you're understanding the adjustments. Now it's making great decisions. Defense is going to get you. They're going to get you sometimes. They're, they're going to put you. They're going to have the right call. They're going to cut somebody. We're going to cut somebody loose. There's going to be something the defense does that you, as a quarterback, now what is your plan? What is your immediate reaction? What are you going to do? And sometimes you throw it away, and and that's probably one of the hardest things I tell the quarterbacks. There's a sometimes out there. There's a lot of those boo plays. You get you know just that it's just. Nobody knows the reason why, right? Just everybody starts booing and all that, but it's probably the right decision. You threw it away. There was no, everybody was covered. Guy was coming. You don't want to take a sack in that situation. You throw it away. And that, that's where at that position, the maturity and toughness has to come in. Like you got to be a, you got to be a tough dude now. You got to be a tough dude. You got to have that, that mental toughness. You got to have thick skin um, because there might be two bad play calls and both of them are throwaways. But that's the right thing. When you go back and really study the position, and you see a guy like Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers throws the ball away, everybody's like, it doesn't matter whether it was good or not. They're all like, good decision. Because everybody knows Aaron Rodgers is, he, he knows what he's doing. We've, all, we've given Aaron Rodgers all, right, all the credit that says, hey, whatever he does, we know what he's doing. Tom Brady, he throws it away, he knew what he was doing. And you know those guys have earned that. And so I think for... Younger quarterbacks, you got to have a lot of maturity and a lot of toughness, a lot of mental toughness to make that decision and make sure that I'm not talking about throwing the ball away all the time, but making good decisions, pulling it down to run, getting us in the right play um, and and just doing what what's required of you on that play. And sometimes when you're behind or sometimes when you're pressing, you want to you want to push too far. You try to do too much. And all you got to do is just do your job at that position like everybody else execute your assignment. And, and I think that's where the quarterbacks are going now with Coach Bobo. We know some of the other things. Now it's time to make sure that our decision-making as we get through this next week, we, we've got it at least at a point where we understand it, we understand what we want to do, and then we can carry that into this offseason and through the summer and into fall camp. All right, so, I mean, hey, that's some, that's some pretty in-depth stuff. I like how he mentions Aaron Rodgers there. We all – and he's right because when you – when you're a quarterback of that caliber and you've earned that reputation, that recognition, fans aren't going to question you. When you've not done that, like your Bo, like a Bo Nix right now, fans are going to question it. But who in the hell cares what the fans or people like me say? Go out there, tune them out, do what we tell you, limit mistakes. We've got the talent, very inexperienced at receiver, but Kind of like a lot of these other position groups we talk about, very, very talented, this receiving core for Auburn. Just lacking opportunities. Those opportunities are coming, man, because we, three of our receivers just go into the NFL. So there's going to be receptions to be had. Now it's about making it happen on the field. And if Bo Nix can't get it done next year with the combination of Mike Bobo and Brian Harson coaching them, that's a Bo Nix problem. It's not on the coaches anymore, but uh, – like I said, clean slate for Bo Nix in my mind until we see what he does on the field this year. All right, last thing for Auburn. Man, I was fired up when I saw this. Long-time listeners know it's nothing against the guy at all, but this J.J. Pagu at tight end, I hate it. Many, many times I've expressed that. I hate it. And like I said, it's nothing against him. We've seen some highlight plays. Remember, he jumped over the guy and got – what was it, like 12 yards? Man, was that exciting. It got us a first down. That's about as good as it gets <laughs> with a 300-pound man at tight end who is very athletic. Again, not calling him out. But we had Anthony Schwartz. We had the fastest player in college football, and we were sacrificing opportunities for him for these gimmick plays. And that's why Chad Morris is in high school right now, because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Brian Harson, on the other hand, knows what he's doing. 
just hired an NFL defensive line coach, Nick Eason. And they see what I see in this J.J. Pugues. Huge body, very, very athletic, can literally jump over other football players on the field. Let's move to the defensive line. And here's a comparison you're probably not going to hear. And I hate to put this much uh, expectations on a guy, but you know another former college tight end? Made it big in the NFL, well, college and the NFL, and one of the most popular and dominant players in the NFL in recent seasons. Sticking right there with J.J. J.J. Watt. I think from what we, the little we've seen of Pagues, I mean, I think he's got that athleticism You is game-changing at that defensive line position. Look at what Jonathan Allen did for Alabama back in, what was it, 2016. I mean, he was dominant. Look what uh, Julius Peppers did his entire career. I mean, it's just a nightmare matchup. Uh, Quinnen Williams for Alabama, who... Interestingly, was I believe a former Auburn commit. These were these are big, big guys with elite skill sets. Imagine same play I was talking about with Pegues. He jumped over a guy. We got a first down. That's fantastic. What happens in the Iron Bowl? Offensive tackle tries to go low on Pegues. He jumps over him, blasts a quarterback, turnover, game-defining play. Getting to the quarterback, scoring touchdowns. These are game-defining plays. Not 12-yard gains by a tight end that gets us all excited and SEC Network sends out a clip and says, my God, have you ever seen a big man move like this? I mean, it's a fun little story. What does it do for your football team? It gets you a first down. Putting this guy on the defensive line, if he develops into an elite player, what's that do? Under, a again, an NFL position coach, former NFL position coach, Nick Eason, it's a game-changing, potentially. This is fantastic news for Auburn. And, uh, man, I'm spieling on. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm excited for this kid. I'm excited for Auburn. Let's kick it over to Brian Harson talking about uh, this move right here. And we did we did move, you know, so everyone knows, J.J. Pegues is working with the D-line. So we have J.J. working with the D-line. And I think J.J. is a guy now. Um, he has done a tremendous job working with the offense. We made that move and put him on the D-line. I had a conversation with JJ, and this is where I think you know a guy like like Pegues, uh, and, and really anybody like this on a team, you have that conversation, and it's like, yeah, whatever you need me to do, where you need me, and he's athletic and he can do a lot of things, and I think this position fits him. I think he's a, a really great culture guy to be in that room. I think he's a leader on this team, and the conversation I had, Coach Easton had, Coach Mason had. Um, you want guys like that on your team that are that are all about whatever it is I need to do to make us better. I'm willing to go out there and do it. And I do think that that position for J.J. is going to be a really good fit. And having Coach Eason and having a guy like that that's going to be able to coach him and develop him and give him the tools to go out there and, and, and utilize his ability to play that position, uh, that's a great match. And so I think uh, and, I, and I also think, too, because Coach Eason, honestly, J.J. was very easy. Like, you want to play for a guy like that. You want to go play for a coach like that. And uh, those guys, they did some good things. There. I got to see what J.J. was able to do, but he's, he's still you know, new at that. I know he did a little bit of it this last year before I came and was doing some of that in the bowl game. But he's, he's going to be really, really good. And I, and I appreciate guys like that in this team that are willing to do things like that. And to have a coach like Coach Eason, I think, has helped him a lot. I think he's at the tackle spot right now. He can go both. In a little bit, too, you're three down, four down, right? You're inside, and then in that three down puts you outside. It's that tackle in position, depending on what your front is. And to be honest with you, he could probably play anywhere uh, on the D-line. Don't have him at nose right now, but he's playing at that tackle position, playing in that, uh, that four-eye, five technique on the edge. He, he can really do it all. And, uh, I'm not going to say you know he's necessarily this or that. I think they're still working through it. And just like the old line, you start moving guys around, you give them chances to play. Sometimes you never know. One of those one of those uh, those ends is going to play nose at some point in different packages. So they're moving guys around. It's it's more about just fundamentals, techniques, playing the playing the the D line position, um, getting good at the one on one stuff. We work with the O line, so just really understanding that. And for JJ, schemes are coming. 
and he's he, he's a quick study. He'll pick it up. There's no doubt about it. This guy will study. He does the work. Um, and so now, like the fundamental techniques, I think this next week that scheme part, we'll really dive into that. Right now, it's just go. You just get out there and try to keep it simple. Let him go. Let him play. Let him use his athletic ability. Uh, let him get used to playing that position more. And then we can detail some of those things up this next week. All right, I got to be honest with you. As soon as I heard this was happening, I said, Auburn's got them some coaches. This is fantastic news. If I'm an Auburn fan, I'm fired the hell up to hear this news. All right, next team, let's kick it on down to College Station. Giga Maggots. We're Jimbo right before uh, heading into the weekend here, talking some Texas A&M football. Uh, now that uh, spring practice is in high gear down there, and, you know, not a lot he was asked about the quarterbacks, kind of gave a non-answer, so not much to share on that one. But some potential great news here for the Aggies because, you know, they're replacing four or five offensive linemen. But it's not like they don't have quality depth, you know, ready to step up. And one of those guys, Luke Matthews, played in 11 games last year just outside the starting rotation. The latest in a long line of Matthew brothers. And don't forget, you know, I feel bad for this kid, Baylor Cup, former number one tight end. He's missed two seasons due to injuries. He's been a standout in multiple camps here. We always talk about this guy, but with Jalen Watermeyer out, opportunity for cup to step up and just imagine what happens if baylor cup lives up to the hype is that five-star tight end to go along with Jaden watermeyer who may be the best tight end in the sec already now we're cooking and as long as we get this offensive line going with luke matthews that's what i want to see and according to jimbo that's what we're getting how has uh baylor cup and luke matthews look coming back off injuries Good. But Baylor's been out uh, in the beginning with him and just a little bit with the hammy. And he's been he's been back practicing full speed the last couple of days, getting back in it, made some nice plays yesterday. Uh, and just the overall feel, I hadn't played football for a long time. So, you know, next couple of weeks will be really important for him, but he's done a nice job. Luke, really, I've been pleased with Luke. Uh, we've been off and on. We practice him and give him a little breaks and rest because we don't want to wear it, you know, tear that thing up. And if we're first getting back, how we bring him back. But his knowledge of what's going on up front, providing a really good anchor. I love his call, making really good calls, understanding what's going on on the defensive side of the ball to get us in the right blocking schemes. Uh, doing a good job with his physicality inside. Uh, been doing a nice job. I've been very pleased with Luke's performance. All right, so two promising updates there from Jimbo. And it's not just that, but, you know, you listen to the, the rumblings down there. The players are fired up. Now, we've heard this before. Remember, I, I think it was last training camp. I mean, some of these players were predicting a win over Alabama. Didn't come to fruition, obviously, but... You know what did? 9-1 season. Alabama's the only team standing in Texas A&M's way last season. So would you rather cower and fear every time damn Alabama's brought up? or we? I'd rather have my team each year saying, you know what, this year we're looking to measure up against them. We came up short last year. We'll give it another shot next year. And we're counting down the days, literally, to, to matching up with Alabama. Let's kick it over to Jimbo on the raised expectations there within the team. Yeah, Jimbo, we had a we had a chance to talk to some of your players earlier this week. And, you know, they were very positive about the direction of the program. Jaden Peavy said we we have a standard in this program now that we want to be the number one team in the nation. DeMarvin said he can't wait for the Alabama game. <laughs> Into year four. Well, well there's Is 11 others the I hope he's ready that, for too. <laughs> okay. But but, but I was going to say, do you do you like hearing that sort of thing going into year four? Is that is that a positive thing? Well, I mean, like in general, I mean, that's here. Here's what I always say: it's great to have those expectations. It's great to have those goals. Now your daily your daily habits have to match those goals where you can achieve them. Which I think that's what I think they're talking about in the standard is that our daily standard allows us to think like that and possibly be like that because of the work ethic and the demeanor in which we have. And to me, it's the whole thing: are your daily habits. And what you do on a daily basis, uh, matching up with your goals. If they don't match up, they're wasted goals. And I think that's what we're learning to do. And we're, you know, it's still, it's always a work in progress because, you know, and whatever that standard is, a standard never lowers. A standard will only go up, you know, and we got to have the standard over our feet. And we can't worry about what our feelings are. We have to worry about the standard. And I think that's, I'm glad to hear them talk about it. Glad to hear them see it. And in practice so far, we're trying to achieve that. We're not there, but very pleased with what we're seeing. 
When you hear stuff like this, you know that the culture is in place there at Texas A&M. This is what gives you confidence when you've got to replace a starting quarterback and multiple offensive linemen that you can get it done and there's going to be several quality options ready for their time because it's not like Jimbo's not turning over to someone that's never seen the field. I mean, he was smart about getting these guys like a Luke Matthews, like a Hayes King reps on the field last season. I know it's completely different than potentially what those guys are facing, but at least, you know, he got them out there on the field, get their feet wet a little bit before you know, a game-breaking season here potentially for those guys. All right, last thing here, Jimbo crushing my spirits. He was asked about uh, spring scrimmages from, uh, remember, from Mike Gundy and all that. Jimbo, understandably, kind of shared why he's not for it. Hi, Jimbo. I think it was Mike Gundy who threw this out there, so I'm going to ask you about it. He's, he liked the idea of playing a spring game against an opponent. Is that a feasible thing or something you all would ever be interested in? I mean, in? I think it's a great idea. I'm not because I like to control those games and situations, and spring to me is an evaluation period of us and what we're doing. I mean, I think it sounds – I mean, there's some merit to it. I know guys say that. Me, personally, I wouldn't just for the fact of how we work our team, the, 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 the working, being able to work more guys in a spring game actually than you do because you end up being a lot of your starters or your starters don't get anything and it's too short because you're running the clock and all those types of things. I would, I would rather work my own, do my own thing, set up my own scenarios, get guys against guys, pit confrontations, pit competitions, and things of that nature just for that sake. Not It's not a good idea, but that's just my the way I look at spring ball. Well, there goes that dream. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you know what? I don't think Jimbo likes doing all this media stuff and doing spring game on TV either, and they make him do that. So hopefully one day the SEC makes all these coaches do it. Whether they like it or not, they may have to do it. All right, let's skip an old day next to Lexington. We had some big news here in the Bluegrass State, and it was not good news. Now, not the end of the world, but... Number one prospect from the state of Kentucky, four-star quarterback Gavin Wimsett, number three dual-ranked quarterback in the nation, a top 100 prospect, commits to Rutgers over Kentucky. And this kid had some legitimate offers here. Obviously, Louisville offered him, Michigan, Michigan State, Missouri, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss offered him, Oregon, Vanderbilt. I mean, this kid's got some pretty outstanding offers. Gavin Wimsett commits to Rutgers. Huge position of need for Kentucky. And I know fans are fired up, man. We got uh, Liam Cohen in here. He's bringing in the, the offense, the Sean McVay offense from the L.A. Rams. Well, and I say this time and time again. Seems like people don't believe me when I say it, but the players matter more than the coaches. They really do. And if you want proof, hell, the Rams had the number one overall pick. They got their hand-picked quarterback, Jared Goff. What'd they do? They had to ship his ass out because he wasn't getting it done. And they had McVay. And they had Liam Cohen. And what does, Penn State, what does Kentucky have now? I mean, they've not developed Joey Gatewood. He was Under Armour All-American. Now, that's not to say he can't be developed and they've got a new system in place. And I know there's a lot of hopes for Bo Allen, but... We've got to see it, man. And this is huge potential miss because this is the biggest hole. We're getting in Penn State transfers to try to – Will Levis is another option. Hopefully he gets developed. You know, if one of these guys breaks out this year, potentially changes everything because maybe you get a guy like Gavin Wimsett to look around and say, you know, this Kentucky offense, I can see myself fitting in it now. I just couldn't see what they were doing before. It was so bad. And this is probably a result of Kentucky not having a spring game. I mean, they're really doing them they're doing themselves a disservice in the recruitment of a guy like a Gavin Wimsett who what there's nothing. There's nothing to see in this offense. They're not putting out videos of it. They're not selling it to recruits. I mean, they should if I were them right now, the, the moment this kid commit to Rutgers, I would flip the script and say we're having a spring game. And every prospect in the state of Kentucky free to come see us. Now, they can't go into the football facility. It's still a dead period. But they can. you can't stop them from walking in the stadium and watching uh, 
the spring game. That's what Kentucky should do if they're smart. And if you don't think it's a big deal, Mark Stoops met with the media. First two questions were about recruiting because that's how big of a deal this is. And like I said, still plenty of time. Hell, they don't, won't be able to sign until December anyway. So you've got several months to impress him. But you missed out. You're missing out on uh, not doing a spring game here. And if uh, Kentucky doesn't come out firing out the season, they won't have a spring game to point to as, as something that's going to help in their favor. So that's just something to think about here. Let's kick it over to uh, Mark Stoops on the challenges Kentucky's facing. He's not allowed to – I should have mentioned, he's not allowed to mention any of these unsigned players. So he can't even say Gavin Wimson's name. He can't talk about that, but – he talks about the challenge of recruiting and uh, recruits not not being able to see the offense here. I'm curious about recruiting, just from a, a big picture standpoint. When you're, uh, what are some of the new challenges you guys are facing? Just as you you know, as you continue to improve uh, as a program, but also you know, with just some of the new stuff coming into the picture, you know, transfer portal and that kind of thing. Well, I mean, definitely um, roster management is a big issue, and you know, with the transfer portal. Um, definitely, uh, you know, can help you or hurt you uh, very quickly. Um, you know, so uh, I feel like there, there's, uh, you know, for, for us, there's been some very positive things happening there, and uh, hopefully it'll stay that way. But you feel like you can definitely pull in uh, some guys to help you. And big picture recruiting, I think it'll be the best. Uh, when it's all said and done, it'll be one of the best years we've had. Um, you know, so I feel very good about where we're going and some of the guys we have in place. It is a little bit difficult. I mean, we we can't see guys. You know, so yeah, um, you know, you're not supposed to have guys on campus. I I, I don't know if that happens everywhere, but uh, you know, so uh, it's very difficult when you can't see guys face to face. So um, you know, I th you know think that's you know that's the big challenge is is you know certainly has always helped us. Is, is getting kids on campus, getting around them in the relationship and seeing the, the energy and seeing the, the culture of our program really helps us. So without that, um, it's been, that's, the, that's one of the challenges. If I could follow up real quick, Tony and Mark, if you sense, is there any trepidation or trepidation from, from guys, especially offensive recruits? I know you can't name particular guys, but as far as just the new offense and just wanting to see what that looks like first, or, or guys kind of excited about that? Well, I, th I think that's fair. I mean, you know, there's there's definitely going to be, you know, you know, we got to go out there and put it on the field and, and prove it, and that, that's th that's why we're not sweating it. I mean, we feel like that's going to take care of itself. You know, we we know we like the playmakers we have right now. We know we're going to build on that. Um, you know, there's always going to be a, a solid foundation here, and you know what we do at offensive line. You know, uh, you know we're going to carry on that tradition right now, and I really feel good about that in the future. And then as our offense blossoms, and and I know it looked really good out there today. I was very excited about it, and we're starting to get that balance that I want. And um, you know, so uh, you know, you you do feel like that'll take care of itself as you as you thrive offensively and, and improve. All right, so if you heard it there from Stoops, he mentioned there one of the best classes we're going to get. And Vince Morrow made that same message on Twitter immediately after Gavin Wimsett announced his commitment to Rutgers. So, you know, that's probably their message they've been sending to him, his entire recruitment. And this tells me they're, they're going to stay on him. You know, they'll respect his commitment, what have you. But until he signs that dotted line, it's not official. Get this kid to campus. Let him see the offense, open up the spring game, or do something. Or Hopefully, in training camp, he's able to come by or some of the games this season because you know Rutgers are going to try to get him up there as much as they can. And, I don't know, Kentucky's got to, got to write this one, I think. Again, the game, I mean, I'm beating a dead horse here, but the game, this is a quarterback-driven game. And Kentucky does not have a quarterback, at least one that's proven it to me on the field. And we, I know we got, we're excited about our options. But you bring in as many talented quarterbacks as you can because all you need is one. All you need is one, and you build around him, whether it's someone they already got on campus or someone they're trying to get on campus. Uh, you just keep stacking quarterbacks till you hit on one. It's that important. All right, final uh, stop here around the league. Let's kick it all down to Athens, where the Bulldogs had a scrimmage here. Not a lot to share from old Kirby here. He's... 
Didn't give a ton on it, to be honest with you. But the big position group, most people, well, aside from receivers, but the more important position group for Georgia to work on this spring, in my opinion, is that secondary. Now, they've already added the transfer from West Virginia, the All-American Tyke Smith. Kirby was asked about Smith. Wasn't sure he could comment on him, so he couldn't give a comment on that addition. But he does talk about the secondary here. And this is a, this is a big topic here in Athens. So let's kick it over to Kirby. Kirby, I, I apologize if you can't uh, comment on this. I was just wondering if you could comment on the uh, the DB transfer, Tyke Smith. And if if you can't in any way, if you, if you wouldn't mind sort of assessing how that secondary has been coming together. I know that was a big priority for you guys this spring. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to comment or not. I think I may be able to, but rather, <laughs> I would. Yeah. So I'll just use that as my my reason for not answering it. But the DBs are um, coming along, and um, we got we got a long way to go, but we're getting there. You know, it's, I haven't seen any regress. That's the good thing. But if we're on a one mile journey, you know, we're, we, we we just hit the first quarter, and uh, we we got you know, a ways to go. We've got to figure out who it is. We've had guys at that position dinged up who haven't been able to practice and we're already thin and we're already young. And when you miss practice time, that's hard. And uh, we're trying to grow those guys up. Um, we're in constant search of our best uh, lineup. I will say this, every one of them wants to get better and every one of them's trying to get better. And we've had flashes of some good plays, um, but consistently, we have to improve. We have to improve the consistency in the secondary. That starts with tackling. starts with eye control. It's not just the corners. Um, it's the safeties as well and, and communication. So all those things are critical, and you know, we're not where we need to be. But I didn't expect it to be right now. I mean, we've we, we got a ways to go. All right, so there you have from Kirby. And, you know, you can read this one or two ways. You know, young guys working hard and still clearly got a long way to go. That's going to be the case when – you have a talented and maybe not only inexperienced, but some of these guys dealing with injuries too, losing, you know, last season due, due to injury, what have you. Some true freshmen in there eager to earn their way on the field. But instead of being so negative, you know, fans interested about the receiving core, the fact that Georgia's receivers are beating these guys based on what Kirby's saying here, more often than not, I think that's a great sign for the offense with, you know, Burton being limited, Pickens being out, other receivers being limited, and they're still winning the day. I don't think the Georgia defensive backs are that bad. I think the Georgia Bulldog receivers are just that good. And I keep saying it, and I'll keep saying it, arguably the most important position now in college football, aside from the quarterback position, is these receivers. And it sounds like Georgia's got stable of receivers to to break out there. And if that happens, I mean, there's a lot to like about the Bulldogs. That's why Nick Saban's harping about it. That's why Mark Stoops kind of talking about it here. Not happy with these receivers. What's been holding Texas A&M back? Not having elite receivers. Auburn, that's something we've been hitting on there too. So, hey, the receiver position, you'll see it's becoming more and more. It's just such an important game-breaking position. Position. That's what Alabama's been so strong at the last couple years. LSU, everybody loves Joe Burrow. Never hear me say anything bad about Joe Burrow. But LSU's strongest position, national championship year, it's got to be those receivers. I mean, hell, Terrence Marshall looks like possibly a first-round pick. He was the third or fourth option for that team. I mean, that's what you got to do if you want to win in the SEC at an elite level you want to win national championships. You got to have a ton of receivers. And the fact that Georgia's defensive backs are getting worked by them, I think that's a great sign for the Bulldogs moving forward. All right, guys, so that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you appreciated a little Monday action here. Couldn't let you go into the work week without having a podcast to listen to. Going on a little bit of a deep dive here. So uh, hopefully, like I said, I'm trying to work out a really good guests for the show this week. So Hopefully that comes to pass, and hopefully we'll get Cousin Shane even show up for a pod this week. So a lot to look forward to. I'm really trying to get these shows out with while we got all this great content. Only two weeks left of SEC spring football before 
we go into the cold, cold off season. So hope you guys appreciated this content. And if you did, you made it this far. If you wouldn't mind just going that extra step and giving us that five-star written review. Been sending out a lot of koozies. So I know you guys are flying in with those five-star written reviews. We really, really appreciate those. That helps grow the show. And if you've done that and you haven't got a koozie yet, send your five-star written review on over to that sec podcast at gmail.com and i'll be sure to send you out a beer koozie of your choice but that's going to do it thanks for hanging out catch you on the next one